The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, beginning at the second verse. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them has the light shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, Not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please do be seated and shall we pray? Come, Lord Jesus, born for our salvation. Come and be born anew in each one of us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you in the mood for a Christmas cracker joke? Yes? Okay, then. I'm usually loath to do these because normally they're pretty bad, but it does have a vague biblical reference, I'm sure, as you'll see. This one happened to me at the Mulan, basically, when I pulled this Christmas cracker a couple of weeks ago. Here we go. Let's see what sort of spirit you're in this evening. What did Adam say on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. (laughs) There we go. It's a cracker joke. It's not that bad, is it? Let's see if you can beat that tomorrow, eh? And we'll see from there. 
Well, it was on Christmas Eve, uh, just after 4 p.m., 51 years ago, the world saw an image live on TV, and we were never the same again. We'd seen this image before, but never so spectacular. It caught us by surprise, leaving us breathless in awe and wonder. It was a picture of the Earth, taken from the Apollo 8 spacecraft, a quarter of a million miles away as it orbited the moon. Earthrise, as it became known, was in 2019 language an Earth selfie taken by Earthlings. And we saw the Earth as it truly is. It showed slightly more than half the planet illuminated with the line dividing night and day, severing Africa. And Earth looked as this floating alone in the eternal night of space, each parting awaiting its share of the life-giving light of the sun. For those watching from the moon, Earthrise was no less spectacular, leaving them too breathless in awe and wonder. And for those who were watching on their TV screens, the largest TV audience at that time, it just left them too breathless in awe and wonder. But what words? What words would resonate through the heavens on one of the holiest nights of the year? In the end, the astronauts on Apollo 8 settled for ones that already had, which they felt couldn't have been more appropriate. Their message went like this. For all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message we would like to send you. Then they read these words. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the Earth. And they went on to spend, to read the next 10 verses of Genesis chapter 1, the first creation story before ending with these words. God called the dry land earth. Go back, if you like, 1900 years before that, and a now elderly man called John wanted to write something of his time spent with Jesus. He wrote so that we may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing we may have life in his name. But how to begin The other gospel writers by now would have published their biographies of Jesus' life. How would he choose to introduce us to Jesus? In the end, the words John chose were on a theme no less spectacular than the earthrise ones. They can take us by surprise. They can leave us breathless in awe and wonder. Words that do still resonate through the heavens and across the earth in church buildings on this holy night. John too went back to that first Genesis creation story, but this time birthed them in Jesus, the Word, the one who always was and is and will be. John the poet wrote skillfully so simply and brought us prose that is deeply profound, profound, magisterial, yet beyond our comprehension at times to truly understand. I was kind of thinking about this, and if John were a strictly judge, 
there would be only one who could play him. You can ask me afterwards if you're not sure. The word from the beginning was with God and was God. All things came into being through him. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light that shines in the darkness. The word became flesh and lived among us. And most centrally of all in this passage and throughout the whole of his gospel, if you want to know who God is, take a long, hard look at Jesus Christ. Because in him there is no unchristlikeness at all. The theme for some of our Christmas services this year at the parish church has been to look, you might have guessed, at the connections between the Christmas story and the moon landings of the late 1960s and early 1970s. I wonder if any one of us knows what was the first meal on the moon. Does anyone know what Buzz Aldrin did when they, just before they stepped out onto the moon's surface? What did he get out of one of those handy ration packs for them to try to eat when there was little or no gravity? It's actually the meal we will celebrate shortly. And it's not a turkey dinner. Bread and wine. The meal Jesus gave us to remember him. We may think communion has more to do with the Easter story, but you do not have to look far into the Christmas story to see the sting of Jesus' death all over it. The gift of myrrh. Simeon's prophetic word in the temple, the declaration of the angel to Joseph that Jesus would save his people from their sins. Some of you may remember if you were here four years ago on Christmas Eve, we had over at that window over there a burning bush experience as I was preaching. It caused a little alarm at the time before being swiftly extinguished. I would like to let you know that we now have risk assessments. (laughs) And Helen has prepared them, and they are so thorough, so it will not happen tonight. But of course, it was through the inextinguishable fiery bush that God famously introduced himself to Moses with the words, I am. To the Jews still today, the most holy name for God. So when John decides to capture how Jesus spoke about his divinity, the most repeated way was through statements beginning with those two words, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. In a passage often associated with communion in John's Gospel, Jesus describes himself with another I am statement. I am the bread of life. The one who truly satisfies the most basic of all our needs because that was what bread represented in first century life. He then said these words, this word, whoever. Placing that word within all time and space, within all who've ever lived and ever will live, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. 
And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come, whoever you are. Come as you are. Your most basic and therefore your most deepest needs will be met. Believe, whoever you are. Come as you are and be born anew. When Buzz Aldrin was taking communion on the moon's surface, mission control back at NASA in Houston were also invited to take part. You see, for him, this wasn't just a spontaneous act that he just made up at the time. It was planned. It was a deliberate act of his that was his way to remember the significance of what had just happened. Before taking communion, he finished with these words. Actually, another of Jesus' I am statements. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, for you can do nothing without me. There's the word, whoever, again. Come, whoever you are. Come as you are. Believe, whoever you are. And be born anew. But remain. Come as you are, but do not stay as you have been. Remain. And be changed into the best version of yourself. Come, believe, remain. To the place I said every Holy Communion service to meet the risen Christ. For we are his body. Or in the words of John Betjeman, the most popular English poet of the 20th century, who was knighted in the year Apollo 11 landed on the moon and was then poet laureate after that. I'm not a Betjeman scholar, just in case you're wondering, but I remember doing Betjeman for my O-level. And somehow these words just stick. He wrote a poem called Christmas. Certainly for me, his finest work, which concludes as follows. And is it true? And is it true? The most tremendous tale of all. Seen in a stained glass window's you, a baby in an ox's stall. The maker of the stars and sea. Become a child on earth for me. No love that in a family dwells, no caroling in frosty air. Not all the steeple-shaking bells can with this single truth compare that God was man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. Let us pray. Jesus, the bread of life, in whom all our needs are met. On this holy night, when your life on this earth was born, draw us to come once more in wonder. Help us to believe and be born anew. And strengthen in us to remain, to become more like you. In your name, the light of life we pray. Amen.